This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra. I'm going to do a partial book review. It's a partial book review because I haven't finished reading the book. It's written by a man named John Medhurst, and the name of it is, quote, No Less Than Mystic, A History of Lenin and the Russian Revolution for a 21st Century Left. It was published by Repeater Books in London in 2017. Somebody sent it to me anonymously. The package just said Pearl Books, Wisconsin. I don't know who sent it, and I think that sooner or later I'm going to open a door and, and somebody's going to pop out and say, I'm the one who sent you that book. And I hope that they will read this partial review. I don't know if everybody's going to get one of these books or if I was just singled out. But even in paperback, this book cost $19.95. So whoever sent it must have either been very strong of purpose or they just have a lot of money. I get a lot of books because book salesmen misread Workers Beat. That's the name of my radio talk show. And they send me business management stuff. I guess they think it's Beat Workers. Anyway, I get a lot of books that aren't really intended for, for what I do. So this one looked kind of interesting and I liked a part of the title. It said 21st Century Left. So I'm interested in that, so I am trying to read the book. Also, it led off on the flyleaf with an interesting quote. Quote, the Marxist doctrine is omnipresent because it is true. A quote from V.I. Lenin. But I got really worried as soon as I got to the top of the second page of the introduction because I saw this quote. He says that, here's what he's going to do. Quote, in the end, I suggest that the anti-capitalist writers, such as, then he names a bunch of people that I don't know, then he names Noam Chomsky, then he names some more people that I don't know, and he says they have a more constructive option to offer the left today than do the sages of Bolshevism, end quote. I flipped back to the cover, and sure enough, there was a flagrant endorsement from the world's champion armchair socialist himself, Noam Chomsky. Determined as I am, though, to hear both sides of the story, I'm still trying to read the book, and I have accomplished all the way to page 127 now. I still have 467 pages to go. It's easy to see from the very beginning that the author is against all the revolutionaries in history and in favor of all the backbiting intellectual splitters. It reads very much like a treatise on theology. Lots and lots of name dropping, obscure quotes, and hardly any commitment to a course of action. Since the author rules out revolution in the first few pages, I was eager to see what he does recommend, so I skipped to the last chapter. And I found that it wasn't exactly clear, but there are some things he seems to like. He seems to favor the early idea of anarchism. That's the idea that capitalism 
has an on-off switch that you don't really need a process. You don't have to build up anything or do any kind of work. You just one day you're going along with the system the way it is. And then the next day you have this beautiful revolution and then everything is fixed. He also seems to like the Occupy movement. And on a large scale, there was the Zapatistas in Mexico and they occupied a lot of farmland. Or he also likes Occupy on a small scale, such as what happened a few years ago in America's parks and public places. People put up tents, some of them stayed one night, some of them stayed a week, some of them stayed a month, and that was their idea of revolutionary activity. He also seems to like employee stock option plans in which laborers own or control stock in small businesses. He likes the word libertarian, but I don't think he means the libertarian party here in America. I think he means more liberal by libertarian. And don't let me forget this. He favors the countercultural idea in which no revolutionary activity or any activity at all is required because the bosses are about to capsize on their own. And all we have to do is grow our hair long, listen to music, have sex, and recycle our trash until they're gone. When it suits this author, he finds anti-revolutionary quotes from Rosa Luxemburg or even Leon Trotsky to discredit other revolutionaries who actually did make a difference in their lifetimes. Now, I spent a considerable time as a counterculturalist myself, put a lot of energy into it. And later on, I was a Trotskyite for a long time. I felt that I should have a special reason to set the record straight on Rosa Luxemburg and Leon Trotsky. Both of them were lifetime revolutionaries and they did have slightly divergent views on how to overcome the bosses. But Luxembourg, in fact, wrote what is probably the best refutation of people like Medhurst. That's the guy we're talking about. In her short book, Reform and Revolution, she took down people like him. She spoke the truth and they killed her for it. She paid for it with her life, and she is essential reading. Short book, Reform and Revolution, I really recommend it. Now, I don't like just running somebody down without offering an alternative view. So let me explain the actual situation. It begins by asking, what is wrong? What is wrong? Nothing is wrong. Everything is going swimmingly but only for the bosses. The people who are running most of the world are running it very well from their point of view. You take, for example, constant wars and environmental disaster. That, that seems bad from our point of view, but from their point of view, oil stocks are skyrocketing. Racism and police misconduct may be ugly from our view, but they've paid off nicely. Slavery was great for the bosses. Jim Crow was great for the bosses. And the present racist state of life in America is going very well 
for the bosses. It's making money for them. Anybody who's thinking clearly will see what the problem is. Mass murders may seem unseemly to us, but they're just fine for arms manufacturers. Hunger and disease, we don't like them, but for the bosses, they're just the cost of doing business. Anybody who's thinking clearly will see it. The problems of working families come from the bosses, from the system that they run for their own benefit. And the only long-term solution is to remove them from power. I figured that out a long time before I read anything from Marx, Engels, Lenin, Trotsky, Luxembourg, Mao Zedong, Che Guevara, Patrice Lumumba, or Fidel Castro, and certainly before I read anything from Noam Chomsky. In my own case, I was simply an elementary school teacher who thought at first that if I could end corporal punishment, then the world would change. That was my only thought. And I worked on that for four or five years. Corporal punishment, you may remember back in the 1960s, 1970s, and before that, was rampant. They used to whip kids right and left. They used to whip kids for speaking Spanish in school. They whipped kids for sassing. They whipped kids for being late. They whipped kids for being tardy. And they whipped them in the hallways. They whipped them in front of the children. They whipped them in special rooms for whipping. They whipped them in the principal's office. But they whipped them. And they whipped them right and left. Up until sometime, I think, in the 1980s. And people began to overcome corporal punishment. But it didn't really change the world very much. I just figured out when I stopped being a knee-jerked activist just for a minute and actually thought about it, I realized that America's system of public and private education is not mixed up or gone astray or, or missing the point. or They didn't have anything to learn from me. The system of public and private education may not be good for working families all the time, but they work pretty well for the bosses. The same is true for all the other of society's so-called ills. What I couldn't figure out, and like most people, what I'm still trying to figure out, is what to do about it. History's great revolutionaries may have had minor differences in their strategies and tactics, but they all agreed that the bosses need to go. Now, in some parts of this long book, Mr. Medhurst, the, the author of the book we're talking about, he hints that he may think so too, but for the most part, his contribution provides comfort to those who don't really intend to do anything at all. You can be very comfortable saying a few things that sound like you're against the system as long as you don't really do anything. You can live a long and comfortable life writing books about the need for change as long as you stay away from doing anything or advocating anything that might work. You can advocate for change 
You know, you can even get money from the bosses. You can get grant money as long as the things you are advocating don't really make any difference. No, as long as there is no real challenge to the bosses. Clever writers can rise to fame and fortune if they defame the people and the ideas that might actually make a difference. The armchair socialist, like the cockroach, will survive after all. This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra.